Gridlock on America's main street. This story unfolded in February 2006 with a furor like that of one of those summer thunderstorms that periodically sweep across the nation's capital, seeming to arise out of nowhere, building rapidly to a loud and frightening climax, and then moving out again, leading Washingtonians to wonder what had hit them. The episode became known simply as the Dubai Ports Deal. The story began quietly enough, a company few in Washington had heard of, with headquarters in a country most Americans never thought about, agreed to a corporate transaction that once might have passed unnoticed. The deal involved the purchase of terminal operations at a handful of American seaports. In the modern global economy, overlaid by new national security fears and today's instant and shrill political jousting, this particular transaction lit a fire of rebellion and disunity. A firm called Dubai Ports World, DP World for short, had emerged as the winner in a bidding contest to take over a British firm, Peninsular and Oriental Steam Navigation Company, for $6.85 billion. Both companies were in the business of operating the giant oceanside ports that increasingly send and receive the massive shipments of goods that keep the new global economy running. P&O, a firm with a long and illustrious history in shipping, had long-run shipping terminals at ports around the globe. DP World, in turn, was a company created and owned by the government of Dubai, a tiny Persian Gulf emirate, to do the same thing. Dubai had used some of its billions of dollars in oil money to build a world-class port of its own, and then created DP World to buy and manage other port operations. DP World was run largely by Westerners on the emirate's payroll. What P&O owned and what DP World coveted were terminals at some key ports around the globe, most important, P&O owned port operations in booming China. The fact that DP World would gain access to terminals at six American ports also run by P&O was seen largely as a fortunate byproduct. It was hardly a secret that P&O was selling out. That had been noted in the Wall Street Journal and other newspapers, though in routine stories on inside pages. More important, the company approached the U.S. government in mid-October 2005 to inform it that a sale affecting American port operations might be coming. That, too, was a routine move. Foreign firms attempting a takeover or merger that might affect national security must get a stamp of approval from a little-known group called the Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States, a panel of representatives from across the government run by the Treasury Department from its grand building on Pennsylvania Avenue next to the White House. CFIUS, as the group is known, has representatives from 12 different cabinet departments and White House offices. Under its procedures, lower-level career officials in the departments study proposed foreign investments to see whether they pose any security threats. If those officials agree among themselves, a deal is approved. If there are disagreements, a proposed investment deal is kicked upstairs, where higher-level officials, normally political appointees, can take 45 days for a second investigation, and the decision is ultimately put on the president's desk. As it happened, CFIUS had been racked by dissension in the previous year or so. Officials from the Defense Department and other security agencies, who tend to be more sensitive to foreign threats than are their counterparts at the government's financial agencies, felt that their views weren't being heard enough in the process. They wanted more scrutiny of deals. Their counterparts at the Treasury and elsewhere, in turn, 
felt they were under pressure from the White House to decide on deals without pushing them up the line where they would bother higher-level officials and land on the president's desk. In the months before the DP World deal arrived, the officials running CFIUS had been busy changing their procedures to better ensure that security agencies would have their views heard. In the case of the ports deal, the question was whether foreigners operating American ports could be counted on to make sure the ports weren't being used by terrorists or rogue states to sneak into the United States either people or materials for terrorist attacks. So, when the ports deal arrived, CFIUS went into action. The Department of Homeland Security was chosen to take the lead in vetting the deal because it was in charge of port security. P&O and DP World twice briefed officials from all the agencies and departments in CFIUS on the proposed deal. The Central Intelligence Agency and its sister intelligence services were asked to provide written assessments of whether the deal posed problems. Meetings were held, memos exchanged. The system did its job. By mid